The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Davo. Well, the good news is that the Royals salvage Game 3 of a disappointing series against the scrappy Oakland A's behind seven and two-thirds sparkling innings from Jason Vargas and just enough hitting. The bad news, of course, is that Casey blew a golden chance to win two of three and instead sits at three and six. But at least they aren't Toronto, right, with only one win right now. It's Davo, and I'm glad you're along for another edition of your dish on Clubhouse Conversation, where some other good news, the Detroit Tigers lose today, who I don't expect to be there at the end of the year. I expect them in third place in the AL Central. Some more good news, Cleveland loses two out of three against Chicago, and the Indians find themselves just one game ahead of the Royals right now, even despite the Royals' slow start. So that's good news. If you're like me and looking at this as a marathon and not a sprint, and that's what the 162 is, of course. That is the Major League Baseball season, as we all know. So some more good news in addition to the Royals winning tonight. And let's start with Jason Vargas. We're going to recap this three-game series against Oakland. Feisty bunch, weren't they? A better lineup than you think. It kind of reminds me of the Royals in 2014. Before, maybe even 2013, before they kind of got really good. And I know Oakland doesn't have the same kind of prospects. And, you know, Sonny Gray is out. But at the major league level, at least, the pitching is not quite there for Oakland. But it's kind of similar. They put the ball in play. They're scrappy. Hit the ball all over the field. Play fairly good defense. So, you know, it's just a scrappy bunch, Oakland. Better than I thought they were, I think. I think they'll have a decent year. May even flirt with 500, although they probably come up short because I think Seattle will probably get hot and steal some of their wins going forward. But Jason Vargas will start with tonight as we recap this before we preview the three-game weekend set against Anaheim. We'll get to that as well here in a little bit. Jason Vargas kept the balls out of the middle of the plate. Carved them up. And that's what he has to do. And he worked with notoriously one of the best home plate umpires in Mark Wegner. If you look at... Statistically, you can kind of look at gambling lines as far as over-unders when you relate it to umpires and how their strike zones typically are. I mean, there's a lot of ways you can judge an umpire, but one of the best ways is looking at over-unders for a game. So let's say Las Vegas puts the over-under at 9. Uh, the umpires are rated on whether the games go over or under. Mark Wegner, always one of the most under-umpires. So a big strike zone, a, a pitcher-friendly strike zone in Jason Vargas and even Jesse Hahn to a, a degree who struck out, what, seven tonight. Vargas took advantage of that big time. He caved eight in his own right. Seven and two-thirds, no runs, four hits, one walk, just five base runners, unless you want to count the sixth on the error by Escobar. But really, and that was, by the way, the first error of the season for the Royals. Actually, good to get out of the way because you knew that was coming soon. Get that out of the way and, you know, have another long stretch like that, error-free. But uh, awesome by Jason Vargas. Essentially eight shutout innings from him, and I do think Ned probably pulls him uh, going into the ninth and goes to Herrera right around, what, 98 pitches at that point with Vargas throwing 93 his last time out. And, of course, you need him to get through the season. He's one of your most important guys in that rotation. And, you know, still first full season coming off Tommy John. So – Tremendous from Jason Vargas, just like he was in Houston. Offensively, we saw a much better approach tonight. The Royals used the center and the opposite side of the field much more than we've seen. Two-hit game for Lorenzo Cain, who also walks to get on base three times on his birthday, number 31. Happy B-Day to Locaine. Alcides Escobar gets on base twice with two hits. 
By the way, Kane also drove in a run and scored one. Brandon Moss even gets in with an RBI tonight. Does a good bat for the team. Opposite field. Working the opposite part of the field twice tonight. Hit the ball well with authority to left field. Once to the warning track and once deep enough for a sack fly, which is good since he's now sitting 043 batting average with a 381 OPS. That's not OBS. No, that's OPS. Not on base percentage, OPS. On base plus slugging is just 381 for the worst start of Brandon Moss's career. I believe it was one for 15 coming into the season. So, you know, what, one for 21 or one for 20 now on the year for Brandon Moss? Not a good start, but, you know, I'll worry about that in another two weeks. You know, if he's hitting, if he's got a 350, 400 OPS in May, then we'll start talking about other options because people love talking about Peter O'Brien or. Uh, you know, Jorge Soler's on the way back. Maybe you get Cuthbert and Orlando rotating in that DH when Soler's back. Maybe Pete O'Brien comes up or some other guys that are down there. I mean, it's probably not going to matter. That's a conversation for two to three weeks from now if this continues. I expect Moss will come out of this. But you do have a little bit of concern considering he had, you know, one of the worst hitting months in the history of baseball last September. So it's kind of carried over into this year. So if this keeps up for another, you know, 30, 40 at bats, you have to start considering your other options. But I believe Moss will get things going. He's a professional hitter, and I believe he'll have a pretty nice year for the Royals. Now, two for ten runners in scoring position tonight for the Royals. That's actually a better night than their average in the 150s coming into the game, risk-wise. So I guess that's good. But you look up and down the lineup, I mean, three guys really are hitting right now. Moose has a 921 OPS. Kane, 892. Perez, 963. All three of those guys doing terrific offensively. But the rest of the lineup, Gordo, 493, Hosmer, 473, Moss, 381, Orlando, 343, Esky, 523, Mondesi, 438. Obviously, uh, those are horrible for all those guys. So, you know, you're going to need – you don't have to have Mondesi and Esky hitting – you know, league average for their position to get where you need to get. They're not supposed to. That's not, this lineup's not designed for that. This lineup's designed for Jorge Soler to come back in and hit 20 home runs, and he should be back in about 10 to 14 more days to the Royals. But, you know, they'll get Orlando out of the lineup. But, you know, there's two spots in the order where you expect Eski to be a bit better. I don't think Eski's, you know, he needs to obviously be better than 523. But if Eski can get up there and in, in the upper 600s towards 700, it's not great, but you'll take it. You know, the, the kind of defense he plays and the way he handles the bat. And Mondesi at 438, if you somehow get him up to 600, you'd take that for being, an, uh, let's face it, an overmatch of the plate rookie. There's flashes of brilliance there, including the bomb home run, second longest home run a Royals hit this year at 99 miles an hour last night. So there's there's glimpses of what he is offensively. But for the most part, you know he's a guy that's going to steal the base when he gets on. He can bunt. He's going to play good defense, although we've seen him struggle early on. So the offense does not have to be there for him at this point. But he certainly needs to do the other areas of his game. And certainly of the big three that are struggling, Gordo, Hosmer, Moss, certainly two of those three are going to have to get up around 800 or above OPS-wise for the Royals to get where they need to get this year. Two of those three are going to have to perform, period. And hopefully they will. I believe they will. Now, going back to game two, worst played game of the season by my book. And I, and I know there's some some doozies to choose from, including the opening day debacle, walking in three runs. And I know the, the, the game in, on Sunday – Although that was an exciting game and a back-and-forth cage match, so I don't consider that quite as bad. But to me, last night was the worst of the year. A disaster. 8-3. to three, For a number of reasons. 
Now, first of all, you've got the obvious one. Jason Hamill's been a big disappointment his first two starts, and it's just two starts. But a guy that normally starts well and then fades the second half of the season, so you don't like to see him coming out and getting lit up. He now has a 6.52 ERA. Four and two-thirds, four runs on seven hits. But it's even worse when you consider his opponent was Andrew Triggs, a guy that probably only I and about six other people remember pitching for the Northwest Arkansas Naturals. I've seen Andrew Triggs pitch a couple of times at Arvest Ballpark, Arvest Field, whatever it's called, Arvest Field, I think it is, in Springdale, Arkansas. I've seen him throw there a couple of times when he was not even a top 30 Royals prospect. The Royals gave up on him, sold him for cash to Philadelphia, makes his way over there, and now it's become a, albeit small sample size, but a serviceable Number five for Oakland. And he comes in, you've got a guy you spent, you know, two years, multi-million dollars on, and he gets completely dominated by a guy that you let go without ever giving him a chance in the 40-man roster. So that's, you know, that's a little bit of a slap in the face. That's the number one reason last night ticked me off so much. Number two, the energy was horrible from the Royals and an apathetic effort from the fans. There was like nobody cared that they were losing. <laughs> nobody cared that they were winning or losing. It was just like people were like zombies sitting there, you know, the offense, well, well, let's get to Travis Wood, the other half of our Chicago connection, besides Hamill. Travis Wood gives up two more runs last night, now has a 20.25 ERA. He has been awful. Opening day, awful. Walks in two runs. The game on Sunday, awful. Gives up the two-run home run to Jake Marisnik. Yesterday, awful. So Travis Wood's got to step it up here pretty soon because I give hitters a longer leash than I do bullpen guys. And let's face it, a 20 point 25 ERA, he has one or two more blow-up outings, he's going to have a bad year. Because you ain't giving him the ball every fifth day. He's not going to have enough innings to get that ERA back under control. If he has two or three more blow-up outings where he gives up three, four runs in an inning, he's going to have a long season and it ain't going to be good for the Royals. He's going to be a guy that you're going to have to hide in that bullpen because you cannot continue to use him. One or two more bad outings from Wood, and I don't want to see him anywhere near a close game. It's been very disappointing to me seeing him. And I know he's got – and I know I'm on the Mr. Small Sample Size. I get that. And I get that he's has a, a pretty solid major league career and he's been a good pitcher. I get that. But everyone was a good pitcher at one point. You know, and they've been in the league that long, and everyone starts losing it at some point. Now, I'm not saying he is, but um, if, if there's one guy in this team I'm most concerned about, is it Brandon Moss? No. Who is it? To me, Travis Wood is the most concerning guy on this team. Jason Hamill's a close second because Jason Hamill could not finish off guys in game two. I sat out there, Diamond Club, watching that game. The ball was flat. It, it, the command wasn't there, and he would, you know, early on he looked good. A couple of Ks the first inning, another one in the second. He looked good the first couple of innings, and then would get pretty much every hitter to two strikes and could not put them away. He'd walk them or give up line drives all over. The stuff does not look good. It looks flat the first two times out for Hamill. So I'm a little bit concerned about him too. He's the of the five starters. He's the one I'm most concerned about for sure, without a doubt. So number one concern is Wood. And number two is Hamill, which is pretty funny considering you look at my Twitter. The, the day that I officially, you know, well, not the day I officially, I'd been saying it for a while before that. But one of the days I officially went out there and said the Royals would win this division and this would be the day you'd remember as the key day. And I penned that tweet. That was the day the Royals signed both Jason Hamill and Travis Wood. And if the Royals run the Central, one of those two is going to have to perform most likely. But, you know, it'd, it'd be pretty funny if they somehow win the Central in spite of that. You know, with my genius analysis there. But anyway, I digress. Scott Alexander, Jake Junis back up and some roster moves, of course. With Matt Strom going down and Terrence Gore going down, they combined for two and a third scoreless. Nice to see Junis up. He'll be up here shortly. He's not going to be up long. He's a starting pitcher. He'll go back down. I imagine Strom's down the minimum 10 days and Strom takes Junis's place. 
Should see Strom uh, sometime during the next road trip, is my guess. And then I would say Alexander likely is here for good. Or at least until Brian Flynn and or Seth Manis are ready to come up for the Royals' bullpen in May. The other reason to last night sucked so much was two for 11 with Risp. You had what? First and second, one out in the first, couldn't score. Double play by Hosmer. You have a runner at third with one out, can't score. You have a runner at second and no out, a leadoff double on an excuse me, whoops, check swing double from Kane, which I thought might get him going. He never left second base. So last night was maddening for several reasons. For the two Chicago pitchers, for the fact that you got hustled by a cast off from your own organization, and the fact that your offense was god-awful. It was a horrible game. Opening day on Monday, emotional, of course, as you know. 2-0 KC loss. Absolutely no offense. It was awful. And, of course, 98% of people who listen to this know that Nedio should not have let Brandon Moss hit in the ninth inning against Sean Doolittle, left on left. If Brandon Moss is not going to start game two of the season, right? That tells me it's a platoon. If Brandon Moss is not going to start game two of the season, how are you going to let him hit against a lefty in a game situation when you're dying for a win when you've got a guy like Chesler Cuthbert over there who rakes left-handed pitching? Why is he on the roster? And why is if you're going to let him hit there, you have to let him hit second game of the season let him start that game. And it makes no sense, just like it made no sense to let Cuthbert play second base on Sunday in extra innings when you've got Christian Colon on the bench. Why is Christian Colon on the bench then? He only plays one position, second base, that's it. He can't really run. You know, so why is he on the team if you're not going to use him? So I had backed Ned Yost up to that point. Those were two bad moves in back-to-back games on Sunday and Monday for Ned. And managers are all going to have bad moves. And that's, that's no 2020 hindsight. Those were both obvious things. You obviously put Cologne in at second base in an extra innings tie game. You obviously don't let Moss hit there against the lefty, unless you're going to let him start in the second game of the year. Now, had he started him game two and said this is not a platoon, okay. I still would have argued with it, but it wouldn't have been an obviously wrong move. It's an obvious wrong move, though, when you're benching a guy's second game of the year and then letting him hit in a game situation in a crunch time game and a must win. Not a must win, but a key game at home, the home opener if you've been struggling. So very, very bad there on opening day. But also very bad, the one guy in the A's lineup you did not want to beat you was Chris Davis. 3-0 pitch from Kennedy, right center field. You know, whatever you can say, the wind was blown out, whatever. Tip your cap because it wasn't a horrible pitch, but you still can't let him beat you. You, you, It makes you wonder what if. Had Kennedy just walked him in that situation, would have been first and second with nobody out, rather giving up a two-run home run, what would have happened? We'll never know. But the Royals win one of three against Oakland. A a disappointing series. You wanted two out of three there. But let's turn the page. You're three and six. You're only a game behind Cleveland. You're only, I believe, two two or two and a half behind Detroit. It's too early to really care about games back. I'm not really obsessing that much. My point being, though, that nobody in the Central is running away and hiding or anything like that. It's not like you've got somebody off to a 9-1 and start. You know, Thankfully, Cleveland is only a game better than you. And I think and Cleveland might say the same thing. They might say they've been playing as bad as they possibly can, which may or may not be true. I knew this team had some issues. I told you before the year in our preview that Josh Tomlin was a big question mark. He had something like a 18 or 38 ERA, 18. It was horrible. I looked at it tonight. Trevor Bowers a question mark. Your top two starters are injury prone. Michael Brantley is injury prone. Santana getting older. That team is not a walk-in to the AL Central like everyone thinks, which is why I believe the Royals will win the AL Central when all is said and done. Go ahead and laugh, but it's going to happen. All right, so let's preview the Angel series. 
The Angels are six and four, off to a nice start after losing at Texas, or sorry, at home against Texas rather. This afternoon against U Darvish, they lost that game eight to three. Offensively, this team's off to a nice start. I mean, you look at the OPSs. You know, I know that's only one of about five or six really important offensive stats, but I'm not a writer here, and nobody wants to hear me list, list off five advanced metrics for each hitter. So we're just going to go through the the most important to me is OPS, if I'm looking quickly at a player's value. Yunel Escobar, 921, leading off. Cole Calhoun in the two-hole, usually 855. Mike Trout in the three-hole, 1,155, 1.155, for probably the best player in the majors. Andleton Simmons, 867. That's not going to keep up. Jeffrey Marte, 771. Danny Espinosa, 750. Only Pujols is really struggling in that lineup at 556. So you look at the Angels being 6 and 4, it's because they're swinging the bats well. A team that likely is not, it's, it's probably the last place team in the ALS. It'll be between them and Oakland. I, I still think Seattle battles back and has a decent year. I think Texas is your second place team. Houston wins it. Houston, Texas, Seattle. Oakland, Anaheim is probably how I would call that division. But, you know, a similar team to the A's as far as wins and losses at the end of the year. Not so similar in that Anaheim probably has a better offense, mainly because of Mr. Trout. But Oakland has better pitching. We'll talk about Anaheim's pitching in a second. But, um, well, actually, let's get to that now. I mean, let's look at their the starters this year for Anaheim as a whole. Ten starts this year. They are 1-4 and four with a 6.00 ERA. Not good for the Angels' starting rotation. And they get a bad break with Garrett Richards going on the disabled list and out until mid-May. So the Royals get a break there. They don't have to face the Anaheim ace in this series, who would be pitching tomorrow night against Danny Duffy normally. Instead, it's J.C. Ramirez making his first start of the year. He's appeared in three games out of the bullpen, five or so innings, with a 5-4-0 ERA for J.C. Ramirez, a guy the Royals have seen. Uh, the Royals need to hit him and hit him hard. It's a bullpen-type game for the Angels. I'm imagining that they would love four innings out of Ramirez. You got to set the tone in this series. You got a three game series. You want to get in that bullpen early and often. You want to make the Angels have to burn as many guys as possible. You want that long relief guy burned tomorrow night to set up the whole weekend. You've got three games against them. It wouldn't matter so much if it was game three, but a game one, you really want to set the tone and start wearing down that Anaheim bullpen. So you need to score three, four runs in, in his innings tomorrow. Four runs need to be on that board by the time he comes out of the game tomorrow night for me to be happy, at least, if not more. Wear him down. Danny Duffy, 1-0 to 208. We know all about him. One thing I will tell you to watch for is Mike Trout is 4-9 for nine with a home run off of Duffy. So if there's one guy you do not want to beat you, don't let Mike Trout beat you. Don't pitch to Mike Trout in a game situation. Walk Mike Trout. Do not let Mike Trout beat you. If the Royals can hold him to one home run this weekend, I will be happy. Keep him off base. One home run. You can take your one home run on that set as long as it's not a game situation. Hit it tomorrow night when we're up nine to nothing. There you go, Mike. There you go, Mike. All right. Royals win game one. Not not close. Should be a, a something like a eight to three, eight to two type victory for the Royals in game one. If you're in Las Vegas, I believe they're minus one seventy. Take the Royals tomorrow night. Saturday, Matt Shoemaker, Nate Carnes. I like the Angels in game two. Shoemaker, no record, seven seven one. Carnes, no record, seven. 1-1. Now, Shoemaker is an interesting guy because, well, first of all, he almost died when he got hit in the head. So, you know, a, a very interesting guy. Nice guy. I'm thankful he's okay. A guy that you can't help but pull for. A likable guy is Matt Shoemaker. 
And he struggled this year, but he was pretty good last year. 3.88 ERA last year in 160 innings. So a good 3-4 type guy. The way he pitched last year was Matt Shoemaker. And probably due for a good start. Five innings, two runs, his first start at Oakland. Four and a third, six earned his last time out against Seattle at home for Matt Shoemaker. I think he's probably going to come in and pitch pretty well. I think the Royals will struggle with this pitcher. Nate Carnes is going to have to be good for the Royals to win this game. Carnes was good against Houston in that frustrating extra innings loss on Sunday. Five and two-thirds with one run on six hits in that game against Houston. I do like the Angels in game two. Just a feeling. It's baseball, and that's kind of a toss-up game. Both pitchers have similar numbers. But Shoemaker, of course, is you know the guy you've got to probably go with in that matchup. I do like the Royals, though, big on Sunday. I think they will get two out of three this weekend, get themselves back to two under 500 with the Giants coming in. And I say that because Sunday we have lefty Tyler Skaggs, who comes in 0-1 with an 8.71 ERA against Ian Kennedy, who's due for a, a win in a big way. 0-2 with a 4.09 has deserved better the way he's pitched early on. Skaggs at Oakland... Uh, was roughed up his first time out, five runs and five and a third. Very similar against Texas at home last time, five innings and five runs allowed for lefty Tyler Skagg. So I do think the Royals will get two out of three this weekend. The key is going to be, of course, A, throw strikes. Anaheim's not a team that that strikes out a lot. They're going to put the ball in play. It's, it's a pretty good offense. At the end of the year, I expect this to be like the, the, like the, like, like the prototypical league average type offense only because they have Mike Trout. You take Mike Trout out. It's not a good offense, but the fact that they have Mike Trout in there just, you know, and they made some nice acquisitions. Danny Espinosa coming over from the nationals, you know, Escobar on the pass with the nationals, both solid players, you know, just nice league average type. Maybe below league average, but not, you know, close. Not not bad players out there. And you've got guys like Mike Trout and Crone that you'll see some and, you know, Cole Calhoun. And, you know, Pujols is getting towards the last few years of his career, but probably even though he's been signed for like nine more years, isn't he? I think he's signed until like 2038 or something like that. But but Pujols coming home, you know, he'll, he'll get off to, you know, he'll start hitting the ball better than he has. I don't think he's lost it yet. You know, but Brandon Moss would dream for a what five forty two or whatever it was five fifty OPS. You know, I digress. To put it in perspective, we say Pujols is struggling, but look at Moss is two hundred points below that in OPS. So you can imagine, you know, when I say he's struggling, it's nowhere near that type of struggling. Or Russell Martin is. I think Russell Martin's like over his last twenty one or something like that for Toronto. So there's a number of guys really struggling that are established major league hitters when you look around the major league. So you know, it's it's a lineup that can score some runs. I do think Duffy will be able to neutralize them. Tomorrow night, I expect Duffy to give us something like six and two-thirds or seven innings, two to three runs, and I expect the Royals to rough it up big. And I think Saturday, Nate Carnes is in line for a five-plus inning, four-run type outing. Shoemaker probably quiets the Royals' bats. Hope I'm wrong, and I could be wrong. It's baseball. And Sunday, I think the Royals will hit Tyler Skaggs, and I think Ian Kennedy will probably give you a seven-inning, two-run type start. I like the Royals' odds. Pretty good to win two out of three in this series. Well, that's it for your Oakland recap and your Anaheim preview. It's Davo here on Clubhouse Conversation. We'll be back again Sunday evening as we preview the two-game series with the Giants, who the Royals, by the way, will see Madison Bumgarner, it appears, who is currently pitching against the Colorado Rockies tonight as we speak against John Gray, who I see just went out of the game here a minute ago. 
Uh, I hope he didn't have an arm or elbow injury. One of my favorite guys in in baseball is John Gray. So hopefully he's okay for the Rockies. I haven't seen why he came out, but walk somebody in four pitches to start the fourth, and they pulled him like when he was at 30 pitches. So some sort of injury. So hopefully he's okay. But um, anyway, back on track. Yeah, Madison Bumgarner should appear in that series. So make sure you get your tickets for Wednesday and give them a nice royal welcome. Hopefully they will with their bats too. But we'll talk about that more Sunday. That's, That's a few days away. So enjoy your weekend. Uh, enjoy. Hopefully you can make it out there to the K. And go Royals. We'll talk to you again Sunday. By the way, always you can look us up and talk to us on Twitter, at Royals Clubhouse, Facebook Clubhouse Conversation, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Listen as well. Good night. Go Royals.